We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Shoot him in the face, they basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. And I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I saw three long bony fingers with like claws on the end reach up underneath the door curl up to grab it and then disappear it's almost like they're unzippering our reality they stick their heads through and they look around and if it looks like the coast is clear they step through the rest of the direction if you take the head you get the whole package if you don't take the head off then what happens is they disappear This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. But then I look over to my left, on the far side of the room, and there's Jack. And he's got blood on his face. He looks at me, and he just says one word. Oops. I've been killing ETs longer than most people have careers. I reached my hand into this bush and I touched air. I couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You are listening to The Confessionals, a proud featured show on blogtalkradio.com. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have an encounter or a story you'd like to share on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me. Just get a hold of me. Now, this week we have the iTunes rating and review shout outs. If you haven't heard, 
We do iTunes ratings and review shout-outs. Anybody who goes to iTunes and leaves a rating and review, we will give you a shout-out on the following week's show. And if you can't give an iTunes rating and review because you don't have iTunes, the next best thing you can do to help the show is to share it around social media. And I would greatly appreciate that. But for this week's iTunes rating and review shout-outs is Ian M. Graham 32, Irish Shame 78, Salty Chicken 07, Bonnie and Bella, Lady Timberwolf, Luke Agar, D Dodd, Sandy Sucks, Break the Routine Podcast. I see what you guys did there, fellas. Nice move. Nice move. Architith, Jillimum, and Carrie Herner. Thank you very much for going to iTunes and leaving a rating and review. It means a lot to me and it helps the show out a ton. Now, moving on to Patreon shout outs. If you haven't heard, we just got done doing the Patreon monthly show with Zach King from episode 61, the ex-Satanic High Wizard. And our special guest was Wes Germer from Sasquatch Chronicles. If you want to hear that show, it will be archived, but you have to become a patron, just like all these people did this past week. Now, it's a long list we have here for this week's Patreon shout-outs, so please bear with me. So here we go. Esme C, David I, Laura L, Sharona C, Shara M, Gelly J, Chris C, Paulo S., Chad H, John P, Andy M, Kimberly W, Justin R, Yager S, Kelly G, Levita H, Todd P, Tasinicus W, Jesus P, Mo W, K H, Karen B, Susie T, Patricia N, Carrie H, Nick F, and Russ M. And wow, that was a lot of patrons, and I really appreciate all the support you guys are giving me. It means a lot to me, so thank you very much. And if you haven't done so yet, please go ahead on Facebook and friend request me at facebook.com backslash Merkel. All the new patrons, please friend request me at facebook.com backslash Merkel, And then I can add you to the secret Facebook group, but I cannot do so until you friend request me so we can become friends. That's not my rules, it's Facebook rules. Sorry for the inconvenience. Now moving on to this week's show, we're bringing on Connor, and Connor is going to be talking about some different experiences that he's had and some other people have had that he knows. Now the main thing that Connor's going to be sharing, he gets right to it, he saw something in the back seat of his car when he was with his girlfriend that he could only describe looked like the girl from the movie The Ring. That's right. So let's get to it right after this. Okay, tonight I have a good guest coming on. We have Connor, and Connor is in California. How you doing, Connor? Good, man. How you doing? Good to be here. Ah, man, I'm doing good. We just had some good conversation and stuff off air. It was just very refreshing. I just had a really long day at work, and uh, I was kind of dragging towards the end, but you know, you kind of gave me some pick-me-up, so I really appreciate that, Aww. man. Well, thanks, man. I'm happy to help. Absolutely. So uh, you reached out to me on Facebook and your friend requested me and we just started chatting and you mentioned you had uh, a little bit of an encounter that you, you've experienced. And I was like, well, when I, after I read it, I remember after I read it, I was thinking, well, why don't you come on the show? You know, like that sounds like a good yeah. show, a good show story. And that surprised so, me. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, I I enjoy talking with people that listen to the show. So either way, when people friend request me, I enjoy communicating, especially when they reach out to me. Because some, sometimes people will, you know, just friend request me and they won't say anything. And that's fine. But uh, mm. when they, when like you did, you reached out and you said, hey, kind of thing. Like that was cool because I like that opens the door for me to just kind of reach out and say hello. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, totally. So um, yeah, of course. You said to me during uh, the the email that you sent me on Facebook that you had an experience mm-hmm. when you were, I think, in high school in a car, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was in high school. I was with, uh, well, she was my girlfriend at the time. She's my ex-girlfriend now. And we were driving. I can't remember what we were driving from. I think we were just hanging out with our friends. Uh, it was on a Friday night. I remember that. We were driving back to her house, and we kind of pulled up in her driveway and we were just in a car. It was a little BMW. It was like a 1984, 1985, something like that. Old school. And so I remember, I remember getting this, this overwhelming feeling, this overwhelming sense of just something else is, is here. And, and uh, to kind of give a little bit of a backstory of myself, if that's okay. Um, so I, I grew up as a Christian and I still am a Christian. I'm actually a youth pastor right now, but I, I grew up as a pastor's kid, and one thing I always grew up believing is that I think that um, when we become Christians, that God gives us these things that we call spiritual gifts, and one of uh, the spiritual gifts that God has given me is something that we call distinguishing spirits, Um, and so basically for me, what I experience um, with this spiritual gift is that I almost have like an extra sense of like um, when there's maybe like an evil spirit kind of lurking around or if there's, um, you know, I can just kind of sense, uh, that something, something bad's going to happen or there's this evil spirit here, or, um, you know, those things get really heightened for me. Um, whereas for most people, they, they might just brush it off and, and not think anything of it. Um, but I can kind of sense these things, um, as they're around. And so that's kind of what happened. So we were in our car. Um, I was driving, she was in the passenger seat. And, um, I remember clearly like getting this overwhelming feeling, you know, she was talking to me and it's that kind of moment where, um, you know, somebody's talking to you about your ears are ringing a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. kind of tune out who the, the person that's talking to you. So sadly, unfortunately I was tuning her out, not intentionally, but, um, my ears just started ringing and, and I just wasn't fully present with her. And, um, I had this weird, like, feeling this weird sense of like, there's something else in the car, almost like we were being watched. And so um, I decided to look in the rear view mirror because I was too afraid to, <laughs> to look in the back seat myself. But I looked in the rear view mirror and that's when I saw it. And it was this really creepy looking um, figure in the back. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, it had really long, dark, like black hair, basically. Um, it didn't have any very distinctive like facial features. You could see there was like an area where eyes would be, you could see there was a nose, but it didn't really have like a mouth or lips or anything like that. It just had like really long, greasy, gross black hair. It looked like a, it looked like a girl, like a teenage girl almost. And she was kind of wearing like this, like really raggedy, um, sack cloth almost like over her body. Um, and it kind of looked like, uh, and I, I hadn't watched the ring before, but it kind of looked like the girl from the ring almost, um, very similar to that. But I, I looked in the rear view mirror and I saw that and my eyes just like went 
wide, as wide as they'd ever been. And um, my ex-girlfriend at the time noticed that. And she's like, are you okay? She put her hand on my arm. She's like, are you okay? Something doesn't seem right. I'm like, we have to get out of the car right now. And she had known about, you know, some of the stuff that I had told her. I'd had some experiences before. So I had told her about, about that side of me. And so she knew instantly. She was like, okay, let's get out of here right now. So we get out of the car and we lock the doors and everything. And I look back and I can still see the figure. And so I just, I just put my hands on her shoulders and we just start praying. Um, and we just start praying and we say in the name of Jesus, you know, um, any evil spirits just leave right now. And we kept praying and praying and praying and eventually the spirit left. Um, but we like looked at each other and she had seen it. So we got out of the car and then she saw it, but she didn't see it until we got out of the car. Um, I said, don't look, don't look. And she looked and she saw it. And, um, and so we like kind of had this like agreement through, like, we looked at each other afterwards and we just kind of had this like unspoken agreement that like, Hey, let's not talk about this to anybody else. Um, Cause both of our families and our parents were very conservative and they were very um, like, Oh, that probably didn't happen. Or were you guys on drugs or, you know, like what were you drinking that night? And, <laughs> you know, so we were like, let's just let's keep it between us, um, and let's just not talk about it. And so we kind of had that unspoken agreement, um, and we haven't really talked about it since. But yeah, it it, I mean, man, growing up as a Christian too, seeing something like that, like it really changed me and changed a lot about how I think about, I guess, like spirituality and what's out there and the possibilities and it just opened a whole new thing for me that um, probably would not have been opened if I hadn't had that experience. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, one, I would say this, why do you think that happened that night? I mean, when you look back at it and stuff, I mean, like what you just described, it doesn't sound like, Mm -hmm. you know, you were seeking anything, uh, but you, you said you do have the, that spiritual gift. So uh, mm-hmm. why, why do you think that happened that night? Do you think there was a purpose behind it? Do you, have you ever thought about that? Like, Man. why me? I, I haven't personally thought about that. I always thought it's just something really weird that happened to me that um, I don't like sharing. But um, I guess, I mean, especially in high school, like I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily a good kid, you know, um, I was a rule breaker. I was, um, a rebel. I didn't follow the norm and stuff like that. And so I was kind of going, I was kind of in a, uh, I wasn't in a very good place, I think in my life. Uh, you know, I would, I would go to parties and, um, say, I believe one thing and then, you know, uh, do another thing and, you know, shocker, a Christian's being hypocritical, but, um, I would say I believe one thing and then go out and party the next weekend and drink and um, do bad stuff with my buddies. And um, and so I wasn't really in like a, a good place in life. So I think, maybe, I don't know. I mean, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I, I was, it was just a moment where I needed to be scared or maybe it was a moment where it was kind of a, maybe a wake up call to me of like, you know, um, I don't know. I really don't. I haven't thought about that very much. So, okay. Yeah. That's I mean, a really good question. Well, what were you, what were some of your, I guess, thoughts before this happened? Was this something that before this happened to you was always something in your head that was a possibility or was it something, I guess my reasoning in, in saying that is 
You know, mm-hmm. I know because, you know, obviously I've talked about it before. I grew up in the church. And for me personally, uh, nobody's ever come to me and said, hey, you shouldn't, you know, be interested in ghosts or, you, you know, ghosts aren't real. Nobody's ever really said that I, as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. But I always just had yeah. this vibe uh, growing up in church that that you just don't talk about those things. Not that they're not real, Mm -hmm. but we just don't talk about it. And they certainly can't happen to us because, well, we're Christians. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like what what were some of your vibes before that happened to you? Was that something that you took serious before this happened or what? I, I don't think I took it seriously at all. I was kind of weird in that way. As far as like my Christian circle of friends where I was always a believer of like, you know, Hey guys, these things are real. Like, you know, demons are real and who knows if ghosts are real. Like we can't, I was always that guy who challenged everything of, we can't say that these things aren't real. Um, just like we can't necessarily fully say that they are real for certain things. Um, but it was that thing where it's like a very, like a suppressive culture of like, yeah, we just, we don't talk about those things. You know, those things are weird and you don't want to mess with evil stuff like Ouija boards or, um, anything like that, you know, you just want to get far, far away from those things and, um, don't mess with those things. That's what my, and even my dad, uh, as a pastor would always kind of say stuff like that. Just, just don't mess with that stuff. But he kind of came at it as more of a, that stuff is legit. And, you know, there are, there's evil stuff out there, um, that can, that can really mess with you and hurt you. And he was doing it out of more of a protective standpoint of, don't mess with that stuff, but it was definitely a culture of, um, you know, you should stay away from, from demons and evil things and, uh, stuff like that because it can really, it can really end up hurting you later on in life. So, right. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question. No, absolutely. I mean, there is no right or wrong answers on the confessionals, man. Like it's all your opinion. So (laughs) I like it. I like it on like, I'm, I'm good with whatever. Uh, no, I, I just, um, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, just with me and with my personal experiences and stuff, uh, I've always noticed that, especially the older I get, the more I think on my own two feet without somebody telling me what to think. Uh, I right. always I, I always come back to this idea that um, in modern Christianity, I, I can't even say that, Americanized, I guess, <laughs> Christianity um, tends to push the supernatural aspect of God into a box because it's easier to contain and digest that way. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if there, if what you're talking about with, you know, uh, God and, and angels, if, if, if they're real, then there is that opposing force that is real as well. You know, and if, mm-hmm. if we, yeah. and, and you, you, you know, as well as anybody about how in the Bible, there's angels that, uh, appear and mm-hmm. there's also demons that appear and yep. if it's in there in that book it certainly can happen now and, and today so um, yeah what's stopping them now if they could do it you know nothing. thousands of years ago they can do it now exactly exactly yeah. have you ever experienced anybody you know in your congregation or anything mm-hmm. like that that have come to you with their own personal experiences uh, maybe not necessarily you know some, let me ask you this before you answer that, mm-hmm. what you saw, was that in the car or was that outside the car? It was in the car. It was in, it was as if it was sitting in the backseat. 
like right directly behind my ex-girlfriend. That's creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was really scary. It was really scary. Yeah. It was, it was oof. It, it gives me, I'm getting goosebumps and the hair is sticking up in the back of my neck right now because I can still picture it clear as day. It, and it was, it was in uh, like the evening time on a Friday night. So it was still, you know, Southern California, the sun doesn't set for a while during the summer. So it was still kind of, it was still kind of bright outside. Um, so there wasn't really like, oh, you know, maybe you just saw like a shadow in the night or something like that. I don't believe that. Did you hear anything? Did it, did it make any noises? Did it, did it give you a feeling of this is a very physical thing in the backseat? Or did it give you this vibe of this is something that if I reached out to try touching it, I wouldn't be able to? I think that in those moments, like you're so overwhelmed that I wasn't necessarily like, I wasn't like, like I said, I couldn't even turn my head fully back around to go look at it. Cause I just had this overwhelming, like feeling of fear of like, there's something in here. And I think for me, like, especially with my, my spiritual gift, like I didn't get the sense that it was a physical thing, but it looked so real. Like it looked physical, but I didn't, I knew, I knew in me and I felt like God was communicating to me that like, this is, this is an evil spirit, you know, you need to protect yourself. But, um, so like, I got that sense that it was, that it was a spirit, but it it looked like it was something physical. Okay. It was weird. It it was weird. Yeah. Cause I mean, just the way you described it just now, I mean, that's exactly the way it seemed like to me. Uh, let's just take a break right now. When we come back, we'll jump right back into it. All right, so one of the things that drives me nuts about being a contacts lens wearer is the fact that when I need new contacts, I have to call it into the doctor's office. The doctor's office has to call it into the prescription company. The prescription company needs to send those contacts to my doctor's office when they're ready. And then the doctor's office has to call me and talk to me about when I can come in to pick up my contacts lenses. And newsflash, I work a lot. And many times I don't have time to get in there during their office hours to pick up my contacts. And they wind up sitting there for two three weeks at a time. Well, now things have changed for me because I found Simple Contacts. Simple Contacts is a great way for people who are busy and on the go to actually get their contacts, save some time, and save some money. So Simple Contacts is a very simple concept. All you have to do is anywhere in the world that you have a computer with internet access or your cell phone that you can download the app, you go through their simple steps of an eye test where they actually have doctors on their end seeing the eye test, making sure the results are good, making sure that the prescription that you have is still good to show you 20-20 vision when you look through those contacts. Once you're good with the doctors on their end, they put the order in for your contacts and they get shipped right to your house. I'm telling you guys, I did this and it's fantastic. Now note, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. That's totally something different. That's something you still need to go to your doctor to do. But if you just need a renewal on your prescription, like any other prescription, Simple Contacts is the place to go. And on top of that, you can save $30 by using my promo code, The Confessionals, when you go to simplecontacts.com backslash The Confessionals. That's right. You can save $30 off your order by just going to simplecontacts.com backslash The Confessionals and using my promo code, The Confessionals. So don't waste time calling the doctor's office. Then they call the prescription company. The prescription company has to make the prescription. 
then send the prescription to the doctor's office for the doctor's office to call you for you to have to go in and make a time to go pick up the prescription. Just go to simplecontacts.com backslash the confessionals and go through the fun, unique test that's right there online or the phone app for you. The doctors will check out the results and if everything's good, you'll be able to order right online and they'll ship it right to your house. Don't waste any time on this, guys. If you need contacts, go to simplecontacts.com backslash the confessionals. Use my promo code, the confessionals, and you'll thank me later. We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 smart bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Hello, this is Forrest and Scott from Astonishing Legends, and when we're not hunting down ghosts, cryptids, and mysteries, we're listening to The Confessionals with Tony Merkel. It seemed like you saw something that looked very physical, even though it was probably more on a spiritual uh, mm-hmm. basis, which, you know, is interesting yeah. in itself because, I mean... I always say that I don't think we're ever going to really get all the answers that we want out of these topics no. and stuff. And we're probably going to go to our grave with more questions <laughs> than anything. So, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, you know, have you ever experienced anything with people coming to you saying that they've they've encountered anything, whether it's uh, demonic things or, you know, angelic or anything like that? Yeah, I've had a couple people... Um, come up to me and talk to me about it. I mean, I don't like advertise my spiritual gift cause it's not about me, but, um, a couple people, like a handful of trusted people that I know that I'm really close to know, uh, that I have this gift. And so some people will come to me. I did have a friend. Uh, he was a roommate of mine. Uh, he actually came to me with a really interesting story. I don't know if you have time for it, but, um, yeah, go it was for a it. really interesting story. It actually happened to him at his church that he went to as a kid. And he, so he used to work there. I don't want to use his name for his sake. Cause I didn't, didn't tell him I was going to tell the story. That's fine. But, um, he was a roommate of mine, uh, in college. And he told me the story cause we had kind of gotten on that topic and, um, of just spooky things that have happened to us. And, um, and so he used to work at his church as like a custodian kind of person. And so he would clean up after all the church events were done and, you know, lock up all the stuff. And, you know, you know, churches can be really creepy at night, uh, especially when you're alone. Um, yes. And so I, I don't know if you've ever been uh, at a church at night when it's near like closing time or anything, but it gets pretty, pretty weird, pretty quick. And so he was at this church and it was a double, it was a double story section of the church where there were like a bunch of classrooms for the little kids. And so he was on one, the bottom level, getting all the rooms ready and locking all the doors and cleaning everything up. And he had a friend who was a coworker who was on the top level um, of that same building. And he was doing the same thing, uh, but for the top level and his church had kind of been notorious for uh, having really weird hauntings, I guess, so to speak, or just really weird uh, spiritual encounters. And so they were like, 
um, this area specifically was notorious for uh, really strange happenings. And so his friend was cleaning all the stuff on the upstairs and my friend was cleaning all the stuff on the downstairs. And all of a sudden my friend hears this really loud slam, just a door. Like it sounds like a door just like forcefully being slammed. So he's like, okay, it's just my buddy like playing tricks on me or pulling my leg. He doesn't think twice of it. Um, And then he goes about his business again. He hears the same thing again, slams twice. So he's like, okay, ha ha ha. I get it. And he kind of shouts at his friend. He's like, Hey, I get it. Really funny. Like you can stop now. Um, and he doesn't hear anything, but he's like, okay, just brushes it off and tries to go back to his work. It happens a third time. So that's where he's like, okay, what the crap is going on? He runs up to the second story. And um, so what they would do is they would lock each door after they done, they were done cleaning the room, turn off each light, lock each door. He noticed that one of the doors was locked, but there was a light that was shining through the bottom of the door. And so he was jiggling the thing and he was calling his friend's name. His, we'll just say his name is Patrick, whatever. He's like, Patrick, Patrick, are you okay? And he just hears gasping, like just gasping as if he's like gasping for air or being choked or something. So he's jiggling this handle with all his might trying to open the door. Um, and it seemed like the door was locked. And so he couldn't get it open. And so he's just like, okay, I got to bust through the door. So he tries to bust through the door with his shoulder, won't give, won't give. He tries to bust through the door with his leg, won't give, won't give. Finally, he uses all of his might and busts through the door and kicks it open. And his friend is on his knees and he um, is like gasping for air. And so he like is like, oh my gosh, are you okay, Patrick? Are you okay? Are you okay? And he like lifts his friend up, grabs his shoulders, like tries to get him on his feet. And his eyes are just wide, like crazy wide. And he had hand marks on his neck and he measured it and his this dude had he had pretty small hands so he measured it with his hands and there was no way that those hand marks could have been his because his hands were way too small to fit like the actual hand marks that were on his neck and they were the only two people in the building they were the only two people in the building and he he said that his friend patrick was like something dude something choked me and i couldn't see it and something was choking me and he quit like that night. He was like, I got to go. I'm quitting. And he quit like that night and left and never came back to the church. And so to follow up on that story, um, my friend um, tells his pastor, cause he's like, dude, I don't know if I want to work here anymore. Like this is freaking me out. So he tells his pastor and his pastor's like, Oh, was it on the second floor in the children's center? He was like, dude, yes. How did you know? He was like, yeah, stuff like that happens all the time. He's like, are you freaking kidding me? Like do something about it. You're a pastor. And so, um, so a, a couple of weeks after the pastor and a bunch of other like people in the church go around that whole area of the building and just pray and go through like, you know, those whatever rituals that you need to do to, to cleanse the room and the building and stuff like that. And they said they never had another encounter after they prayed and like supposedly cleansed the building in the area. But um, yeah, my friend quit you know, pretty soon after that, because it was just so traumatizing for him that he couldn't go back there. Well, you know, a couple things here. First of all, why, why did it take that long for the pastor knowing <laughs> what was going on to do That's something about it? Exactly. That's my thought. Exactly. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think he just, it was just one of those things where it was kind of a really, uh, from what he described, it was like kind of a superstitious church, you know, where they did kind of uh, believe in a lot of those uh, 
spiritualistic sides of religion and Christianity and things like that. And so, I don't know, I think maybe he didn't take it seriously enough or maybe he tried something before and it didn't work or, I mean, I don't know. I'm not trying to defend him, but I think it's ridiculous too. But dude, I would have like ran down there and, you know, I would have said, call me if something happens. If I knew, like, if I knew that, um, you know, something spooky was continually happening in a certain spot in my church, I would say, call me if anything happens and I'll come and try to help you. You know what I mean? Like I'll right. come pray over you or I'll, I'll try to help you or I'll, you know, we'll do something. But yeah, he seemed like a very passive guy um, from what I've heard about him. So he's not there anymore at the church. He, uh, he quit pretty soon after that happened too. So, so we have the case yeah. of a nuts, another cursed or haunted church. I did uh, two different shows already on similar situations. I, I don't know if you've heard really? those episodes. Yeah, there's there's one yeah, show. I might that, have heard one of them. Yeah, the one show is called The Cursed Church, and I had a married couple come on and share their experience. Yeah. And I think I heard that one. That involved uh, some uh, more of shaking of doors. Like, you know how in churches there's those accordion folding doors that you oh, pull? Oh, yeah. It was one of those kind of doors, and it was like just rattling really hard. And it's funny that you said the pastor said, oh, yeah, that happens all the time because this other couple that ex- they experienced this haunting at their church, you know, she was really distraught after she experienced it. She went home, told her husband. Oh yeah. And he suggested that you go tell the pastor. So she did. And the pastor said, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, our church is cursed. Like that's what he said. And so, I, I do remember that one. That one was like in the, uh, somewhere in the East coast, right? Or uh, yeah. In Ohio. Remember? Yeah. Ohio. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like yeah. you have, <laughs> I just don't, I don't quite understand why, uh, as a, a leader of a church, you wouldn't take these kind of things more serious unless you don't take the supernatural aspect of the Bible and God serious. And I don't want, I don't yeah. wa- I don't want to get on that cause I, I don't want, I just don't, <laughs> but don't have the time. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you, you can tell probably by the tone of my voice, I have frustrations there. So <laughs> yeah, like it. and understandable. I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of things that the church needs to own up to and um, find answers for that we might just simply not have the answers to. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean, it, it's, there's a lot more questions than answers right now. And I think we need mm-hmm. to work on that a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, you I know, agree. you mentioned a, a funny little thing here when you went into the whole church story that you said that churches feel creepy. Now, oh, dude. I've never in my entire life expressed to somebody that I thought <laughs> churches at night were creepy. But the fact that you Maybe said that, I, I, I'm like, I'm not the only are. one. <laughs> they totally are. And I think that what we don't understand is like, I think this is part of like my background as being a youth pastor where like I've spent nights after events where I've had to go around alone by myself and lock everything up and clean everything up and everything like that. I've actually had an encounter myself that I can't explain at my own current church. Talk about it. Really spooked me. You want me to talk about it? Absolutely. It's really, I think it's, I think it's really short, but uh, well, it can't be really short. So what happened was we, we have this nursery room where, you know, um, we have the babies, uh, we take, we, we have the babies, 
uh, have their own room during like the church services and stuff. So they're not disruptive for everybody else. And um, they can just play and hang out and have fun. And so we have this nursery room and uh, you know, the nursing nursing rooms have like rocking chairs and things like that. And we keep the doors open at all times and they have windows uh, all throughout like the back wall of each room. So the doors are open at all times and you can always walk by and look through and see what's going on. Even at night, we try to keep it the same way just because we don't want people to think anything bad is, is ever going to happen in those rooms and stuff. So we just keep it open. We keep it accessible. And um, so we have this event. It's an, it's an overnight event where we're spending the night at the church and I have, uh, you know, some junior high and high school kids who are at the event and everybody's in bed. And I do one last final walk around the church as everybody's lights are out. Everybody's in bed. They've all, you know, brushed their teeth, you know, done all that stuff, gotten ready, everything, everybody's in their rooms in bed. And I have adult leaders who are supervising that and making sure that they're where they're supposed to be. So I'm walking around just to make sure that nobody's giving off, just to make sure that nobody's trying to do anything or make sure that we don't have any uh, people trying to like break into the church or anything like that. So I'm walking around and our church, the way it works is our, our worship center uh, is in the middle of the church. And then there's just this one big walkway. That's a circular walkway around the whole church. And you can access everything from that one little walkway. So I'm doing my round, I'm doing my loop and I go past the nursery room and these kids had told me stories. They were like, dude, don't go in the nursery room at night. Like they, they have heard stories of like, they're like, people have told stories about there is like a weird spirit, a weird vibe in there. And the kids like will not go near the nursery room. They're like, don't go in there. It's, it's creepy. Like we even played a little game, you know, like earlier on in the night of like, Oh, go in the nursery room, go in the nursery room to spook the kids. And they wouldn't do it. They were creeped out. They wouldn't do it. Um, (laughs) it's a scary church at night. And so I walk by it and I remember that. And I'm like, I'm walking by the nursery right now. I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look. So I don't look the first time and I just walk by and then I make it one last round and make another round and I look. And what I notice is there's this rocking chair and it's just sitting by itself in the middle of the front lobby of the nursery. And it's just rocking as if like either something was sitting in it or something had just gotten up and the chair was still rocking from like, you know, the pressure of the weight. And I saw that and I just, I ran <laughs> like, nope, <laughs> peace out. See you later. I couldn't take it. I didn't get a weird vibe or a weird feeling. I don't know if anything was actually there, but I looked there and the chair was rocking and there was absolutely no reason for that freaking chair to be rocking. And it got to me and I just ran and you want to know the creepiest thing about it. So we wake up the next morning. We spend the night cause we spend the night at church. We wake up the next morning. I walk into the room cause I'm like, Oh my gosh, did that really happen? Like this is really weirding me out. There was no chair. Shut up. No, I, I, are you serious? I, I wow. kid you not. There was no <laughs> chair. And I, I walk in, I check every, so the way it works is like, there's like a little lobby where you check the kids in. And then we have like three or four separate rooms to split up the kids based on their age and stuff like that. And I walk through the three separate classrooms. All the rocking chairs are in the classrooms. There was no rocking chair in the lobby. But when I walked by it that night, there was a rocking chair in the lobby and it was rocking. I Dude. like, 
I almost pooped myself. It was, it was freaky. And here I am. I hadn't had an experience like that basically since that encounter that I had in high school. So I had almost forgotten about that side, that side of it again. Like I had almost forgotten about that side of spirituality and stuff like that. Um, it was, uh, that happened about a year ago, year and a half ago, I would say. I'm still at the same church, but I don't walk by the nursery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it was bad. No, I can imagine. It, that's creepy, especially when you add the element of it not being there the next day. Uh, let's take a break right now. When we come back, we'll bring the show in for a landing. We'll be right back, everybody. Let me ask you a question. Are you busy? Because you know I'm busy. I work 60 plus hours a week driving a truck. I have a brand new baby at home. And on top of that, I spend a ton of time on this podcast. So I'm a busy guy. And when I'm a busy guy, it's hard for me to focus in on eating healthy. But HelloFresh comes in and changes that narrative directly. HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. With HelloFresh, you can make family dinners fuss-free with HelloFresh's picky eater, kid-tested, and approved family plan recipes. I'm telling you guys, HelloFresh's selection is off the charts. Now rediscover your excitement of cooking by feeling confident when cooking HelloFresh with simple recipes outlined on pictured step-by-step instruction cards. It really doesn't get much easier than that. And why is it so simple? Because HelloFresh believes cooking should be simple and convenient, not a chore. So all the ingredients come pre-measured in handy labeled meal kits so you know which ingredient goes with which recipe. You won't spend all night in the kitchen because recipes only take 30 minutes to make. It's really that simple. So bottom line, spend less time meal planning and grocery shopping each week and get that time back to do more of what you love. So for $30 off for your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code THEConfessionals30. That's HelloFresh.com. Enter promo code THEConfessionals30 for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh orders. Now go to their website and check them out today. Welcome back to The Confessionals with your host, Tony Merkel. All right, so with the experience that your friend had with the, the other church, your experience mm-hmm. with your church... The experiences that have already been recorded on the show, what mm-hmm. kind of conclusions do you think you could come to as to why churches seem to have these kind of issues? Mm. I think uh, it goes back to that old, that old passage in the New Testament, you know, where it says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. I think that anywhere where God is going to be, there are going to be evil forces trying to go against what God's trying to do. Um, and even at churches, you know, we think, we think of churches as, um, oh, it's such a holy place. It's such a sacred place, which is, you know, kind of true and kind of not. It's just a building. It's four walls. Um, what's to stop right. evil spirits from manipulating those places? What's to stop evil spirits from uh you know, doing things to Christians. I think I firmly believe the only thing that, that spirits can't do to people who actually truly believe in Jesus is I don't think that we can be possessed. Um, and I might get backlash for that, but I don't think, I personally don't believe that we could be possessed. 
by evil spirits because we are quote-unquote possessed by the Holy Spirit. We already have the Holy Spirit protecting us and protecting our spirit. So I don't think that we can be possessed by an evil spirit, but I could be wrong. You know, that's just my theory. I could be wrong. I tend to agree with you on that line of thinking. Uh, You know, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he's taking up house and there isn't any room for anything else. Uh, I, yeah. I, I do believe that Christians can be oppressed by demonic entities uh, and things like that. Absolutely. But possession is hard for me to comprehend. Now, I have talked to Christians who, you know, study these types of things and all that, who mm-hmm. have said absolutely a Christian can be possessed by a demon. I personally do not comprehend that. I don't want to say I can't right. see it or understand it. I understand where they're coming from, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I, I just, for me, it's just not something that I can totally comprehend at this point, at least. And uh, yeah. you know, maybe one day, you know, my mind will be changed and stuff like that. Uh, hopefully, not by firsthand experience. But let's <laughs> <laughs> hope not. No, Seriously, that'd be rough. That would be. But um, no, I, I, I tend to agree with you. And you know, I, I just wrote down on my notepad here battleground church mm-hmm. you know that's kind of what it is mm-hmm. you know it's it's like a battleground totally. so i mean yeah. you have absolutely a bunch of people coming together to worship god and because you're doing that there is a supernatural spiritual warfare going on right there and so yep. it's a battleground absolutely absolutely now the thing the thing i will say about that too to add on if you don't mind is i i think that I think that the Holy Spirit will be with us, you know, as we worship God. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is always with us once you decide to believe in Jesus Christ. And I don't want to preach right now. I'm not trying to do that. But so even with that, the Holy Spirit's with us. But the one that that the demons fear is Jesus, right? I think that the name of Jesus has power. And I experienced that in my first story, my first encounter with a demon or evil spirit. I don't know exactly what it was. I know it was flat out evil, 100% evil. There was nothing good about that spirit uh, in the car. Um, But when I started praying and when I started saying the name of Jesus Christ, that's when it started losing its power. That's when it started losing. That's when I gained more courage and I stopped fearing it and started remembering, Oh yeah, by the way, like, you know, I got God on my side, you know, I'll be good. Um, and I think that, I think that the enemy knows that, that not everybody has strong faith and not everybody has a strong belief in God. So when we do gather to worship, whenever your churches do gather to worship the enemy, you know, what, what do, uh, predators do? They prey on the weak. Right. And I think that, that spiritually speaking, I think that the demons and the devil do the same thing. I think they prey on the weak. Um, you see that in instances in the Bible as well. Like you see that in the book of Job where God and, you know, the devil's like, oh, I can, I can make sure that Job doesn't have faith in you anymore. I can give him terrible life circumstances so that he doesn't believe in you anymore. And he thought that Job would have had weak faith, but he, he faltered a little bit. But in the end, he had strong faith still even with all the stuff that happened to him. I mean, he lost his entire family 
and everything he owned, but he still had strong faith in God in the end. And so I think that, you know, as this battle is going on, um, whenever you're fighting somebody, you're trying to get to know the weaknesses and the strengths of your enemy. And I think that the devil does that too. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there were evil spirits outside of every church, you know, or inside of every church. I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I mean, the reality of it is, is that there's a spiritual battle going on. And when we go to gather together, that spiritual battle um, is 100% happening and it's 100% real. I think that every Christian needs to hear that because I think that not every Christian believes that. And that's my, that's my firm thing. I've never been a person who will put any of this stuff in a box and say that I, I understand all of it. I don't understand. It. You know, there's so much of it I don't understand. There's, I'm, I'm a young guy. I'm still in my 20s. There's so much of it I'm still learning. Um, but one thing that I do know is that in this battle, you're on one side or the other. You know, and that's just the truth of it. No, I, I, I hear you, man. Uh, there's, I've mentioned this before on shows, but I'm going to be trying to get this one guy on a show who was, who is an ex satanic priest. He's actually an ex, uh, high priest. Uh, He actually, uh, used to go to Bohemian Grove and perform ceremonies there and things like that. Like he he was invited in. So like he was one of the high priests of the satanic, um, coven that he was part, like, he his coven obviously he was the, the priest but like he was a high priest I, I don't remember how he breaks it all down but i'm gonna mm-hmm. be trying to get him on the show because he details some of the things that he did as the high priest uh and it, yeah. it involves infiltrating churches it involves uh oh, yeah. attacking uh churches and either you know becoming quote-unquote members inside that church to infiltrate it from the inside or, wow. you know, casting spells and things like that. And he, he lists the typical things that they would do to mm-hmm. help break up churches. That was their goal, to break up the church. And so, wow. yeah, I mean, it, bottom line is there is a lot of attack that goes on. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of people don't recognize it. They, they don't even believe that mm-hmm. could happen or it's happening. Yeah. And, um, well, you know, teach their own, I guess. <laughs> True. I mean, I'm not, I'm not yeah. here. I'm not, <laughs> I know it sounds like no, nonchalantly, I, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not here to try changing people's minds, you know? So like, you know, yeah, if you, if, neither am believe I. what you want. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. 100%. And, you know, I, I always take the approach of like, you can never force anybody to believe anything. And I think that there are some people who are so abrasive about what they believe in and it's, you know, their way or the highway. And I've never been that kind of guy. I don't think I ever will be that kind of, I hope I'm never that kind of guy. You know, I don't want to be, I'm not saying that everything is, you know, everything is truth and like everything is accurate, but at the very least, like, you know, let people believe what they want to believe and then, and then just let them live their life. You know, that's kind of who I am. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but I said that. (laughs) No, it's, I understand what you're saying. I mean, yeah, listen, I I don't even know how to to say it. I mean, you're, you're not going to, there's there, there's there's different people in the world and everybody has their own opinions on things and you're you're not going to change the whole world's opinion to agree with you and you know you accept that fact and the people who are willing to t- talk with you cool if not yep that's fine too you know it's it's Absolutely. as simple as that uh so i i totally dig it so all right cool. man listen you mentioned to me earlier uh something and i i i made a note 
and I titled it Miracle Baby. What happened when you were a baby? <laughs> it's a good title. Yeah, well, um, I was born with something that's called failure to thrive. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, it's a symptom that people get when they're first born where basically, uh, and I don't know all the medical history of it. I'm not a doctor by any means, but um, basically what was happening is like uh, my body wasn't growing. Like I wasn't taking in nutrients. I wasn't functioning properly as like a normal baby. And so, you know, my mom would try to feed me and even the nurses would like try to feed me and stuff like that. And I just, I wasn't having it. I wasn't growing. I was staying the same weight and all that stuff. Um, and so my parents were getting like really, really, really concerned. And they were like, Oh my gosh, is this baby going to even survive? And so they took me to all these doctors all across Southern California and like Los Angeles and Orange County and just tried to get the best doctors that they could afford and everything like that. And, um, nothing was working. You know, there isn't really a cure for this, uh, failure to thrive symptom that is still around. There's no known cure for it yet. And so they were going from doctor to doctor, from specialist to specialist, trying to get a cure for me. And all the while, you know, my parents were praying the whole time, just praying for a miracle the whole time, the whole time. So one day they took me to this doctor at the UCLA uh, Kids Hospital or whatever it's called. And they took me to the doctor and they were like, something crazy is happening. Your, your, your baby is going on the right track now. Like your baby is being healed. And he couldn't explain it. He was flabbergasted because he was like, this is so rare. The success rate of somebody surviving these symptoms is incredibly rare. I don't know the stats on it right now, but um, he was just absolutely beside himself. And so he knew that my dad was a pastor and he was working in ministry. And so he just some random doctor who was not a religious guy just said, it must have been a miracle. And <laughs> my parents hearing that from a doctor like opened their eyes and they're like, Oh, this had to have been a miracle. Like there's no other explanation because I just randomly healed like the stuff that the doctors, the doctors were like, we're not doing anything different than any of the other doctors were doing. Um, and all those, all those things had failed. Um, and they gave me a survival rate of uh, eight months, eight to 10 months to live. Um, and then all of a sudden it just turned around and I was completely healed. And I am completely healed from it today. And so it's just, it, it's crazy to me. And every time I think about that, it just gives me so much joy because it, it just reminds me to take each day as a huge blessing. Um, you know, I take each day uh, as a gift because it really is, even if your life sucks, like your life could suck and just be the worst. Uh, you could be in the worst circumstances, but you're still alive. And I, and whenever I was going through a tough time in life, I just remember back on that of like, you know, I shouldn't even be experiencing this right now. If the world had its way, I would be dead, but the world didn't have its way. And God, God reached out and he healed me and there's no other way to explain it. And it's, it's crazy. Yeah, man, uh, that is crazy. I, I, you know, you hear stories like that and it kind of drops you back a little bit and you're like, whoa, because I mean, what does it take for a body to self-heal itself? You know what I mean? Like doctors, yeah. doctors can't explain, couldn't explain that either if that was an option. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. and not a lot of people know this about me, but, you know, when I was in college, uh, Lindsay and I had just met and I was, you know, very much into basketball. I was very much in shape. And uh, <laughs> once I 
met Lindsay, I stopped playing basketball and I, <laughs> I started eating more and I got overweight. And, uh, yeah. you know, she was going to a different college at the time, the first year we met. And so I spent almost every night driving up to her school, which was about an hour away from mine to see her. Ooh. I was obsessed yeah. with my girlfriend. I loved her, you know? And, uh, yeah, totally. Uh, I would drive up there. I'd stop and get fast food on the way up. And then to stay awake, I'd stop and get fast food on the way back. And I became a real binge eater. And I uh, yeah. I put on about 80 pounds in eight months. And wow. uh, yeah, it, it, I got fat. Let's just put it out with that way. <laughs> I became yeah. a, bo- a big boy. Uh, talk about sex appeal, you know? <laughs> talk about that sex Boom. appeal. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies love it, man. Hey, my new girlfriend. How you like me now? <laughs> but uh, so... I got sick though, and uh, I got something called pericarditis, and uh, it's oh, okay. basically the tissue on the bottom of your heart swells, uh, and oh, can wow. be caused from rapid weight gain. You can die from it, mm. and uh, my the tissue on the bottom of my heart was swollen about a quarter of an inch off my heart, and it happened wow. so suddenly. I, the one morning I'm laying in bed, I wake up and I can't move without it feeling like somebody's taking a knife and just stabbing me in the heart. And like oh. literally couldn't breathe, couldn't move anything on my upper body without that kind of pain. Cause everything kind of takes the muscles in your chest to move. And, uh, yeah. I got, I called my mom uh, cause I, I was scared. I was having a heart attack. I, I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but there's something wrong. And I, I called my mom and she had me stay on the phone with her while I, I made my way to the nurse's office, which was like h- halfway across campus. And I just, it took me like mm-hmm. two hours to walk to the nurse's office. It just hurts so oh bad. And, uh, wow. You know, I sit down there, the doctor said, or the nurse says, I need to go to the doctor. I make my way to my car. I drive to the doctor's office and I get diagnosed. And uh, then I had to go to see a heart specialist. I think it was a couple of days later. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously, once I get diagnosed with what I had and everything, I uh, I was deathly scared. I think I was like 20 years old, 19, 20 years old, maybe 18. I don't remember. Wow, and yeah, yeah, I was scared and I'm, I'm crying and I'm praying and everybody's praying for me, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. by the time I went to the heart specialist, uh, the heart specialist was pretty ticked off because uh, the doctor that sent me to the heart specialist wasted his time because there was nothing mm-hmm. wrong with me. And he said to me, do you wow. feel any pain? And I said, no, actually, since I woke up this morning, I've been feeling pretty good. <laughs> and wow. he's like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. And he was like, kind of oh like, my gosh. like nasty about it. You know, I was like, well, yeah, yeah. sorry, dude. <laughs> like, a little, I, little salty about it. <laughs> yeah. I got like, I'm like, it's not a good thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, seriously, right? Am I supposed to be sitting here saying sorry that I'm not sick? You know, I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of experienced something similar to that. And and for me, uh, you know, I, I guess I can say, you know, I was, it was a miracle or I I was healed. Um, but I would say, I would say at least you were healed. It it sounds like it was a miracle. Yeah. I mean, don't downplay it. Yeah. No, I, I guess, I guess in my head, I, if, I don't know if you got the chance to listen to this week's episode yet, but I played some audio that I recorded from my grandfather who uh, mm. on his deathbed w- was sharing some things that, you know, he experienced, you know, as a life in ministry where he, he was able to pray mm. for people. And, you know, he didn't share, share this on the audio, but at one point he had told me that uh, he would, and my dad was actually in the, in the audience when this happened. Uh, my dad has mm. confirmed this to me that my grandfather, you know, they were doing this healing service and people would come up and you'd pray for him. And my grandfather yeah. actually prayed for somebody on stage 
uh, that had one leg mm-hmm. shorter than the other, and their leg literally grew on stage to be the same wow. length. And so, yeah. like when I think of miraculous healings, I, I like I want I want. I want to know that, you know, like, yeah, there's true. no you doubt. Actual evidence. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, like I, I want yeah. my hand to get chopped off and to grow back. Like that's <laughs> like, <laughs> I want that kind there of, you, you know, like I don't want yeah. any doubt yeah. in my mind. Like I'm not, a, I, I, I yeah. just want that, you know, but Hey, I don't, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't know about you, but it'd be a miracle to me if the Patriots lost the Super Bowl, man. I'm so right on so man. Over the Patriots being in the Super Bowl every year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yes, yeah, sir. Pissed off a lot of people, but that's okay. I'm a 49ers fan, so nobody likes me. Oh, I'm outside of Philly, so everybody knows what I'm cheering for. Boom. Yeah, Nick Foles, man. He did a pretty good job in the postseason. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah, yeah. Not bad. Well, man, listen, yeah. I I really appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories and stuff, man. And, uh, you know, hey, you're you're a pastor, so the chances of you encountering more stuff is pretty likely. Oh. So feel free to get yeah. a hold of me. yeah. Absolutely, dude. Hey, thank you so much for having me, and uh, it was awesome talking to you, Tony. Appreciate it. Right on, man. I'll talk to you later. All right, have a good one. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, go ahead and give it a like, a share, a retweet, a heart on Instagram. I don't care what you give it. But I just appreciate you guys listening to the show and sharing it around. It means a lot to me. Thank you very much. And until next week, friends, take care, stay safe, and I'll see you right here next Saturday night at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on The Confessionals. Take care.